Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10 a.m. on 3CR Community Radio, 855 a.m. on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, a program presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're looking at centuries of vicious exploitation of Africa by Western powers and how Africa has been rubbed out of history right up to this day. Regular listeners to Think Again will remember the three programs on slavery we presented in May. We explored how the slave trade was part of the early stages of European expansionism in the 15th century. Sailing around Africa as an alternative route to India and Southeast to get spices Southeast and other Asia. Uh, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you're right. Uh, to get spices and other merchandise. Yeah, and later gold. That's right. Then by the mid 1500s, certain European nations were looking to purchase African people to work as slaves in sugar and cotton plantations in the West Indies and the Americas. They, that means those European nations, had invaded and ransacked since 1492. Yeah, and I guess eventually with the US being built on the backs of free, stolen African labour. Yeah, we got much information from Howard French's important book, Born in Blackness, Africa... Africans and the making of the modern world, with its many references to advanced civilizations flourishing throughout Africa in the centuries before European invasions. African peoples were not primitives, subsisting in jungles or deserts and waiting to be civilized by Europeans, yeah. as we are told. Mm. There were sophisticated societies with elaborate systems of governance and thriving economies, leaving us wondering why mainstream history remains so silent about that historic Africa. We talked about this in our program mid-May last uh, this, this year. year. That's right. Yeah. Well, I guess the central purpose of the book, Born in Blackness, is to correct the erasure of Africa from world history, particularly world history as conjured up by the dominant West. As Howard French details in his book, the modern world and the ascendancy of the West was only made possible by centuries of slave labour. African slaves kidnapped and worked into the ground uh, like beasts of burden on, on, on mass plantations in the Americas, as you said, Shark. At the same time, stripping African countries of over 18 million, at least of over 18 million of their own people, and that 18 million... Um, figure comes from 12 million arriving as slaves in the Americas, and that doesn't include those who died um, in the bowels mm, of the ships on the journey right. to the Americas, and um, an estimated 6 million killed near their homelands on the African continent in the hunt for slaves. Mm. Yeah. So 
they're astonishing figures. I've seen larger figures than those mm-hmm. too, but they're the figures given in Born in Blackness by Howard French. And they're astonishing figures uh, anyway. Uh, not only are African people and nations, despite this, not only are African people and nations almost completely erased erased from the mainstream historical record, in its place we have a narrative of Western superiority. Um, and it's a meritocratic notion writ large, assuming those at the top of the pile are there because they're better and smarter than everyone else, mm-hmm. not not because of their avarice or lack of conscience or not because they misuse power for their own advantage, for example. Mm. And it is not just African history that remains hidden. Stubborn myths are still spread about Africans' incapability to run their own business, to stop the relentless wars genocides and coups, and finally evolve from their assumed state of underdevelopment and from needing help from us, the developed world. There's, there's especially, uh, <laughs> I believe, that Africa can't produce responsible and non-corrupt leaders and maintain political processes that elect and support them in an orderly fashion according to our ideas uh, of Yes, order. and when you say our belief, you don't mean yours and mine, Jacques. That's right. <laughs> the Western dominant belief. That's yeah. right, exactly. So it really reminds me of, Jacques, my Catholic primary school and, mm. and what I learned about Africa, or actually didn't learn as mm-hmm. well. And I'm not referring to being taught anything about Africa playing a key role in world history or economics, nothing. What I do remember is a little red cardboard box with pictures of starving African children that we were urged to to put our coins in. Mm -hmm. The subtext, of course, being that African countries are so underdeveloped or backward that they're unable to even look after their own children and and the children in the West Mm. should gather their coins and help them out. That's Mm. right. I've been experiencing the same, especially in my home country in Belgium, which colonised a rather large chunk of the continent, of the African continent, for 80 years. Mm. On the box in our kind of counters in shops was a little black uh, baby kind of a figure which nodded when the coin fell down the slit. Unbelievable. But like our assumptions about Africa's past, the present day reality looks also rather different from the myth regularly perpetrated by our mainstream media. So we think this is reason enough for Think Again to look for the alternative story. Mm. So just for starters... Former colonial powers did and do their absolute best to prevent responsible leadership from evolving in most African nations, leaving aside the question whether the nation-state was the right template to organize political life in Africa and elsewhere. Anyway, nation-states were imposed according to the interests of the colonial powers themselves and they retained this form of governance after independence, Mm. especially if they wanted access to world bodies like the United Nations. As Lord of Anost, a journalist, a Belgian-Flemish uh, uh, journalist... W-O-S-T. That's right. States in the Flemish daily De Wereld Morgen, there's not a single African country that has known a proper democratic order after decolonization. With almost no exception, and especially in former colonizing countries, 
the new African leaders have been described by the mass media as autocratic, corrupt, bloodthirsty tyrants having only one purpose, to get rich as soon and as fast as possible, therefore mimicking really, if you think about it, our capitalist system anyway. Mm-hmm. There are enough examples, Mobutu fleeing with a fortune as large as half of Congo's public debt, Bokassa, a grotesque clown who ruined the Central African Republic, the brutal Idi Amin in Uganda, Siadbar in Somalia, Ufwe Bonyi in Ivory Coast, Place Compaore in Burkina Faso, then finally also Mugabe in Zimbabwe, and the Rwanda and Burundi genocidal leadership. The list goes on. All these leaders, all men, had things in common. They came to power using military violence. Yeah, and just a comment about that, Liz Jacques. I think the reason that it's so hard to take that all in is because mm. we're not we're given so little information mm, that's right. about Africa in the first place. Yeah. So yeah. but but I guess my other thing I'd want to say about what you just said then, Jacques, it sounds a bit like a contradiction. Mm. Aren't you supporting the then the argument? Um, the Western, the dominant Western argument that Africans are unable to run their own nation. Yeah. No, of course <laughs> Just not. Just playing the devil's advocate. Yeah, well, I don't believe in devils anymore, but I. <laughs> the, they, those leaders, those corrupt leaders, they yeah. had the full support and received the directions, including unlimited military hardware and even soldiers from their previous colonial masters. So the, colo- the previous colonial masters That's were right. behind all of these. That's right, France the UK and also the US uh, and Belgium uh, at the beginning of independence what they did to uh, Lumumba was quite clear they murdered Lumumba they received rich development aid from I- from the IMF and from the World Bank mm-hmm. and they shared their passion for brutal suppression and exploitation of their own people all were dumped by their earlier colonial benefactors as soon as they stopped serving the interests of these pretend benefactors. To give a recent example, Lord of Anost's article in the Flemish Daily I mentioned before describes how it worked out in Burkina Faso. Yeah, so Burkina Faso being a landlocked country in West Africa, mm. north of Ghana. That's right. It uh, was usually earlier called uh, Haute Volta. Most people won't even have heard of it. Mm, that's right. In 1983... Thomas Sankara became president of Burkina Faso through a military coup, deposing the previous military dictator. The people actually supported Sankara as he managed to move the country to food self-sufficiency in three years, moving the country away from repeated famines and dependency on international aid. As president of Burkina Faso, Sankara was the first African leader to nominate women in his cabinet. He prohibited polygamy and legislated against patriarchal violence. Mm. Sankara also redistributed unused land left by tribal leaders to farmers, and he recognized the danger of AIDS and HIV. HIV. Mm -hmm. Without asking for international loans, Sankara improved road and health infrastructure in Burkina Faso. Truthfully, 
accusing IMF and World Bank of being neocolonial instruments. Yeah, so, so he was an exemplary leader. He certainly was, under difficult circumstances. The local pro-France elite in Burkina Faso, however, in their overpaid government jobs and driving a fleet of imported Mercedes cars, they lost their high salaries and cars and many other perks they got. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sankara lived on a monthly wage of US $450, driving a small Renault car, openly attacking the corruption of other African leaders, which directly led to his murder in 1987. Mm -hmm. This assassination was instigated by Ivory Coast president and brutal dictator Houphouet Bonny, with the support of France. Mm -hmm. The Ivory Coast president wanted Burkina Faso's poor workers for his own cocoa industry, as he convinced Sankara's deputy Blaise Campoare to kill him and assume the presidency himself. So I I guess, excuse me, the point of all that, Jacques, is uh, there was a lot of skullduggery Mm. (laughs) undermining a progressive democracy in an African nation with France's... Fingerprints mm. all over it. All over it. And obviously not just the French. All ex-colonial powers became neo-colonial powers. 27 years later, in Burkina Faso in 2014, Compaoré himself was deposed after a popular rebellion against his corrupt reign in Burkina Faso. With France's backing, Compaoré has become one of the richest men in Africa leaving Burkina Faso one of the poorest countries in Africa with miles-high debt to IMF and World Bank. So debts to the Inter- International Monetary Fund and that's World Bank. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. So much for French interference. Yeah, and that's not just an exception, it's everywhere. So let's to sing, have that sink down a little <laughs> bit. Let's ha- have a listen to Staying in the World by a local Zambian musician, Larry Maluma.
to think again on 3CR radio 855am on your dial and stre- streaming life at 3cr.org.au Today we're revisiting Africa and talking about how African nations have been exploited and decimated by western powers for centuries right up to this day At the same time we largely erase Africa from history except when we lament that their problems supposedly come from their own inferiority and not from Western interference, which would be much more accurate. Before the break, we were talking about what happened in the Western African nation Burkina Faso. To continue on this theme, their neighbours, or its neighbours, Mali and Niger, had several military coups in the last two years. Some were condemned, and some were supported by the West, depending on whether Western interests were served mm. or not. Yeah, so, Jacques, basically whether the West supported or condemned the coups in these African nations, mm-hmm. it all depended on whether its own interests were served. Absolutely. I think that's worth yeah. emphasising. Yeah, absolutely, and we also need to know that French troops continue to be stationed in African countries to protect France's own interests often unwanted. In Mali, new 2021 President Assimi Goita was expelled the French troop stations in his country. And French troops have also been asked to leave Burkina Faso by the new president there, Ibrahim Traoré. And in Niger, the third coup in ten years brought Omar Chiani to the presidency last month, and he also wanted the French troops to leave. And reaction from the West, you may ask? France and the US are now arguing for an armed intervention by ECOWAS, which is an economic alliance of 12 West African countries created by the ex-colonial powers France and the UK with the help of the US. Mm. And Jacques, what would be the purpose of the armed intervention and where would it be and who would take part? Well, ECOWAS itself was a creation by the West mainly aiming at gaining economic benefits from that trade alliance. And it does not really, that organisation does not really have a military purpose at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and meanwhile, 
Africa's eyed off by Western countries for new things to exploit and pillage. Yes, 25% as an example, 25% of all imported uranium in the European Union comes from Niger, including covering 15% of France's need for uranium, which is 35% of France's nuclear energy. Mm. Niger, Niger itself only 14% of that population has access to electricity. Yeah, so that's incredible. Most Nigerians have no electricity, mm-hmm. most, mm. while France gets its um, uranium. That's right. Yeah, and, and France also, of course, continues to control the monetary currencies of 14 West and Central African countries. So that's France has a lot of control, is no, exercising a lot of control for its own benefit. Utterly controlled from Paris. And, his, and it has its military all over its former colonies. But now it seems to be the case that at least Mali's, Niger's and Burkina Faso's populations are turning against their former colonial masters, trying to establish relationships with the BRICS trading bloc we talked about in another of our previous programs. So, so just, just re- repeat what BRICS Bri- is. BRICS is an, an, an alliance between Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China and South Africa. Mm. Uh, it's a trading bloc which tried to also establish itself as an independent economic, well, relatively independent economic bloc mm. between, uh, well, uh, Europe and, and, the, and the United States, really. Mm. Or against them, mm. or oh, to counter well, them. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So whatever we hear about corruption and autocratic behaviours of African leaders, we know that the leaders that stayed on did so with the assistance and permission of the West. And the leaders had attempted to change the tide, Lumumba in Congo, Amilcar Cabral in Guinea-Bissau, Sankara in Burkina Faso and others elsewhere, they never got a chance because they opposed the interests of their Western Mm. colonizers or ex-colonizers. And and all either assassinated or undermined or or deposed in coups. That's correct. And helplessly stared at by the United Nations, dominated by the U.S. and the rest of the West. So, so you're talking again about these nations that That's wanted correct. to go, mm. assert their own interests. Yeah, mm. and none of it seemed to be uh, gaining enough steam at the United Nations because of the dominance of the U.S. and the rest of the West mm. to change something about it. Mm-hmm. And none of this, therefore, should surprise. Already in the early 70s, Immediately after the major colonies decolonized or became independent, Martinique poet, activist and politician Aimé Césaire wrote a discourse on colonialism. And he had this to say, I quote, Between colonizer and colonized, there is room only for forced labor, intimidation, pressure, the police taxation, theft, rape, compulsory crops, contempt, mistrust, arrogance, self-complacency, swinishness, brainless elites, degraded masses. No human contact, but relations of domination and submission, which turn the colonizing man into a classroom monitor, an army sergeant, a prison guard, a slave driver and the indigenous man into an instrument of production. Mm -hmm. End of quote. And even earlier, 
in Joseph Conrad's 1890s Heart of Darkness, in what our own historian Reynolds, Reynolds called The Whispering in Our Hearts. The tragic hero, Kurtz, in Heart of Darkness, is musing about empire in the end 1890s. And he said, The conquest of the earth, which most, mostly means the taking away from those who have a different complexion, or slightly flatter noses than ourselves, is not a pretty thing when you look into it too much. End of quote. So we still prefer to not look too much, don't we? Indeed, looking at what else is happening in and about Africa, much remains the same. U.S. Professor Lawrence Wilkinson says, and he laments, that all so-called civilized colonial powers were and are guilty of such crimes. Their national myth masked the crimes, as does poor education and memory lapses. Mm, yeah, which is Howard French's point in his book Born in Blackness, that the Western victors have written the history and Africa has pretty much been rubbed out of history in the process. Yes, and to continue to quote, uh, Central Africa... In, is today still an unfolding tragedy of exploitation, commercial rivalries, and indigenous incapacity, partly an inheritance of colonization. But the world moves on relentlessly to fulfill its oligarchy's desires for wealth and power. End of quote. All that, of course, aided and abetted by Hollywood, it seems, that at present world-conquering movie Oppenheimer elevates the moral conundrums of a single white man, Oppenheimer, over the horrific consequences to hundreds of thousands of non-white victims. Yeah, so no wonder the movie Oppenheimer is unlikely to be shown in Japan. Yeah, exactly. Right? And the movie also lacks any mention that European powers also experimented with their atomic weapons of mass destruction in the supposedly uninhabited territories of Africa, the consequences of which still experience today. But African nations have fought back. Already in 1960, a speech by Tawia Adamafio from the Convention People's Party in Ghana exemplifies that resistance, and it is worth quoting. Arguing against the French test in the Sahara, Tawia Adamafio, he said, and I quote, Every one of you can tell France what the answer is to those tests. It is no, no to all nuclear imperialism in Africa. No to the murder of women and children through radioactive fallout. fallout. It is no to the Cold War, which provoked these evil tests. It's no to the destruction of mankind with which these weapons threaten us, end of quote. Yeah, so, and, and of course bombs were also dropped in New Mexico and French Polynesia and, and Jacques, I won't use the word tests, as, as if they were practising for the real world mm. somehow. No, these bombs were dropped in real people's worlds. And we should also mention that Britain tested atomic weapons at three sites on Australian territory, mostly at Maralinga between mm. 52 and 1963. Exactly. Mm. And the extent of the contamination at Maralinga was recognised, only recognised in 1984, just before the land was to be returned to its Aboriginal yeah. owners. True to form, 
exactly, in true to form, Western powers exporting arms to other nations and indigenous peoples while pillaging what they have to offer. Mm. And that we will continue to explore that next week or the week after. If you want to take action with others for a peaceful and independent Australia and against nuclear weaponization, go to the IPAN website. That is IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network. IPAN.org.au. If you don't use the internet or have access to it, ask your local library to connect you on a computer with IPAN. And the librarian will certainly help you. Just a very brief mention that uh, Borderlands is organizing its first talks about the alternative economy starting uh, in, uh, well, each first Thursday of uh, the next four months, uh, the 7th of September. We will uh, reserve that for a talk by First Nations peoples about truth, treaty and voice. And after that, we'll have talks about social enterprise, exploring degrowth, cooperatives and employee-owned businesses. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and thinking again about the matters we raised. If you want to send us a message, you can email Borderlands. Borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available by podcast on a variety of platforms and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Milku Mana by King Stingray. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.